we are subjected to ageism. So it's the combination of gender bias and ageism because we face it as women earlier than men because of the emphasis on our looks and youthfulness. So ageism hits us much earlier, much harder, and it's that combination, the intersection of the two that is a double whammy hit. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview inspiring and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the greater good. Making your mark big or small is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age with energy and joy. Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more at judybanker.com. To find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and other offerings, hop on over to zestfulaging.com. And while you're there, sign up for my email newsletter, The Insider, where you'll get behind-the-scenes looks at my interviews, little pictures from my garden projects, and other fun tidbits. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, as usual, I've got my loyal Jack Russell Sparky lying right beside me. And we have a great interview for you today. So let's begin. Many of us are aware that once we're over 50, we will face ageism in our work lives. Women find themselves faced with decisions like, should I dye my hair? And should I manipulate my resume to appear younger? Today, we're going to talk about the challenges of being an older woman in the workforce and how we can successfully navigate this difficult road. We're going to talk with award-winning entrepreneur, Forbes contributing writer and executive coach, Bonnie Marcus. She assists professional women to successfully navigate the workplace and position and promote themselves to advance their careers. In her newly published book, Not Done Yet, Bonnie addresses how women over 50 can regain their confidence and claim their power. Welcome to the show, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to to finally speak with you after a a lot of technical difficulties, Um, and I'm delighted to have you. We're, We're talking about a very serious and pervasive problem, and I know our our listeners um, have experienced it. And if they haven't, um, it's something I'm sure that's on the radar for them. You talk about something called the double whammy. Can you, uh, can you talk more about what this means? Well, the double whammy is gendered ageism. So as professional women, we've experienced a gender bias in the workplace. Uh, throughout our careers. 
and we are not paid equally. We don't have equal opportunities for sponsorship, for, for advancement. And now that we approach 50 and beyond, and we start to show visible signs of aging, we are subjected to ageism. So it's the combination of gender bias and ageism because we face it as women earlier than men because of the emphasis on our looks and youthfulness. So ageism hits us much earlier, much harder, and it's that combination, the intersection of the two that is a double whammy hit. So here's uh, maybe a bit of a naive question. It's one of those that I think I know the answer, but I bet you have something to say about that. What is the first indication that we are aging, that people notice and say, oh, you know, she's looking a little older than our, our new hires. What do, what do people notice first, typically? Well, I think we notice first that um, all of a sudden we're the oldest one on the team. <laughs> you know, um, a few years ago, I was uh, coaching a 58-year-old female attorney and she worked for a large tech company in Silicon Valley. And she had been on this legal team for eight years and done really, really well. She had a great track record. Um, and she didn't begin to notice things shift, that she wasn't invited to key meetings, that people weren't seeking out her opinion anymore. And um, over time, what she noticed was her workload was being redistributed. And that's dangerous because if, you know, she knew, and of course I knew as her coach, if she didn't have a full portfolio, it would be easier to push her out. So I, I think that we begin to notice these things over time. That sprinkled with oh, she's so old, or oh, you remember that. You were around with Abe Lincoln, right? Like, oh, you're over the hill. You're such a dinosaur. Some of these comments, sometimes they are meant as a joke. But of course, they are still loaded with, you know, age bias, ageism. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems to me, and, and I have my own bias as a psychotherapist, but it seems to me that depending on who this is, happening to, they may have very different reactions. I could see that somebody like, for example, the attorney you're speaking with, I mean, somebody might feel really hurt by that, feel rejected, and actually become more passive um, and might might just sort of fade into the woodwork. And mm -hmm. other people might really get angry and call it out in a way that may feel threatening to uh, fellow workers. How do we balance being assertive and saying that's not appropriate or where's my workload in a way that doesn't have people, in a way that people might be able to receive? Right. So you bring up a couple of really good points. I think, you know, the danger is, of course, let's talk about the first scenario. Okay. That women um, feel 
that they are being marginalized and sidelined and recognize that it's because of their age. And so they pull themselves back. And I talk about this in the book, that what we don't want to do is sideline ourselves. And we may feel that, you know, we may feel the bias, but we can't stop doing what we need to do to stay relevant and stay marketable and stay engaged. And so that means, you know, raising your hand, speaking up, still offering your opinions, um, you know, preparing for meetings so that you have um, pertinent ideas and, and, and opinions to suggest to the group, um, staying up on your skills, advocating for yourselves, all the things that I talk about in the book. Um, it's kind of a middle ground between being in your face, kind of like as you're, in the second yeah. scenario where you're full of rage because that obviously is not going to work against you either. Either way, either scenario can lead to a pink slip. So we have to control our, our mindset and be much more strategic about how we approach it. And there are ways that we can um, address ageist comments and behaviors, I talk about certainly in the book, that are very professional. Can you give us an example, Bonnie, if somebody says, oh, you know, you were around with the dinosaurs or some silly thing like that. Can you give an example to us about what would be an assertive, maybe not aggressive comment? Well, an assertive comment would be, first of all, uh, acknowledging the way that made you feel. That, um, you know, I, I know you probably said, made that comment as, as a joke, but that really uh, upset me because it was fairly ageist. And yes, I was not around with Abe Lincoln, but I did do have a lot of value and a, a lot of experience that I enjoy contributing to this organization um, every day. You know, it, it really depends what I talk about also in the book is what your relationship is with the person who might have made that comment, you know, mm -hmm. and if it's, if it's also, if it's said directly at you or if it was said in kind of a group joking setting, because there would be different approaches based on how um, close you are to the person who made that comment. Uh, you, if it's done in a group setting, you may just want to talk to them, take them aside afterward and say, you know, I, I hear what you said about that comment, but I want you to recognize that it, it was very ageist and that blah, blah, blah maybe not do it while you're in front of that whole big group. You know, if it's your, your manager uh, and you have a good relationship, you can certainly bring it up in the meeting. Here's my feeling is that ageism is so ingrained in our society that we don't recognize, we're not aware of where it is and how it shows up sometimes. Um, you know, I just had to go to, um, CVS last week and get a birthday card. And if you look at the birthday cards, they're all ageist. It's like, you know, being over the hill, you need a few drinks to find your car keys, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, more so towards women than men. 
But the point is that it's so ingrained, we don't recognize it. So I believe we can give some people the benefit of the doubt that they weren't being malicious when they were saying a comment like that. That's a good point. Helping to bring more awareness to it um, helps everybody. It's a win-win. Do you feel like part of your coaching is to help people kind of keep up their energy in fighting this, what feels like an uphill fight. I mean, I, I feel fortunate in that I'm self-employed, so (laughs) I'm not ageist against myself, but if I were in a, um, in a law firm or, or, you know, any of these other places, I would imagine you would feel more of a systematic races, uh, not racism, but ageism and a gender bias And I just can imagine trying to put myself in the place of your client. I wonder if sometimes you kind of run out of steam and say, look, the work's hard enough. And I'm also having to educate people and fight for my right at the table. How do you keep people going and, um, and, and sort of their mental energy uh, kind of up and um, at what they need. Right. That is part of it. And, and by the way, you certainly see a lot of women over 50 opting out, even if they weren't pushed out. And they said, you know, they've had enough of this, mm-hmm. recognizing that they still have a lot to contribute and they still have uh, ambition and they start companies. I mean, you know, we see a lot of women, 40, 50 plus, who are who recognize that I'm not getting the acknowledgement that I deserve in the workplace. So I still have a lot of energy. But for those who who aren't going that route and not everybody can can leave the salary and benefits, they want to stay as long as as they want to stay mm-hmm. rather than being pushed out. Um you know, there's a whole section in my book called Be Your Badass Self. That's the third section of the book, which connects you with owning the power and the wisdom of your age and connecting with your badass energy uh, to give you more confidence and enthusiasm so that you can show up at work with that kind of energy. Because, you know, here's the other thing is that if you show up in the workplace exhausted, you know, you're going to give more fuel to the argument that you're over the hill and ready to push out. I see. Right. Right. That makes sense. So, and it is, it does deplete you. So we, we need to look for things that energize us. Um, You know, hanging out with our girlfriends. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe it's meditating or, you know, being active I talk about how to choose joy, you know, every day to look for joy in your life. But I mean, there's, there are a lot of things that really fuel that kind of energy um, and recognizing that not apologizing for where we are, but owning where we are and being proud of that. And I think that helps a lot to balance it. That that attorney that I was talking about, who I was coaching a few years back, and she was marginalized every day, and you know it was just draining her. And 
she recognized that what she needed to do was balance it on the outside, that that was going to be her work environment. And she wanted, she was paid very well and she wanted to stay as long as she could stay. Mm -hmm. But she made time to uh, go to the gym because that energized her. She made time to network and hang out with her girlfriends because that made her feel good. Also, you know, even networking with former colleagues who recognized that she, you know, she was a great contributor and a star performer, people who recognized her for that value, kind of balanced, you know, some of what was going on currently in the workplace. I would imagine, too, some women have to make decisions about if they're going to go up the chain and say, you know, I'm experiencing ageism and that's illegal. Yeah, uh, but I, I don't think that threatening legal action is the place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I do talk in the book about, uh, you know, what your rights are and knowing your rights. And certainly if if somebody calls you out as being a dinosaur or something, you know, and it's kind of a joke, you may talk to them privately about that. I don't think you need to go armed for legal action. Uh, right, if right. There, if there is repetitive behavior, yes, then I think you need to start documenting it. And then you need to reach out to um, HR or perhaps an attorney mm-hmm. because um, it's very hard to prove, unfortunately, it's very hard to prove. The burden of proof is extremely challenging. You need to show that it's not harassment or bullying, that it is just ageism. Uh, and depending on what state you live in, okay. you can file through the state rather than federal. I see. Hi there. Spring has definitely sprung and I'm seeing little purple crocuses popping up in my neighborhood. And to celebrate the season, I'm taking $20 off of my popular Zestful Aging web course. You will learn the tried and true ways to add zest and vitality to your life. And it comes with a booklet I made just for the course. It's all based on science and my 30 years as a psychotherapist. So Hop on over to ZestfulAging.com for more information and use the code SPRING2021. You will get $20 off the course and it is going to be a great way to start the season. Now back to the show. There was a part in your book that I found particularly interesting and you mentioned the Choose Joy. You talked about having a really... Uh, transformative experience when you contracted Lyme disease. Can you talk a little bit about how that changed your perspective and um, how it might have shifted how you see ageism, gender bias, and the work you do? Yeah, well, I think it shifted uh, my whole outlook on life, which of course then affects you know, uh, the work that I do, uh, especially coaching others. I was so sick with Lyme disease that I was out of work for about nine months. Mm. I mean, I couldn't fully function for nine months. And 
it was a full court press to try to get better. But I've always been an overachiever. I've always been that person who is really tough on themselves, uh, not measuring up to, to my expectations of what I can do in a day and what I need You're to driven. do mm-hmm. to overcome obstacles. So now I had a disease that didn't react well to that. It was like the harder I pushed to get better, the worse I got. And it wasn't until I found a practitioner who helped me realize that part of my healing, part of my getting better was to not use those same tactics (laughs) that made me successful for the first few years of my career. Uh, But now I had to shift to being more mindful about where I was about uh, being more gentle with myself and recognizing that um, that this was something that, uh, you know, I would get better over time, but my driving and pushing for that to happen mm-hmm. was, not, was not going to help it. And uh, it, it really shifted, though I, you know, I was a coach and, and author and speaker at the time, it, it allowed me to um, approach my life a lot, a lot differently, more in the flow. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how those kinds of things just force you to recalibrate everything. I also had Lyme disease, not to the extent you did. And I was and I'm also a bit of a, um, uh, a driven, achievement-oriented person. And I remember lying on the couch thinking, I can't get up. I mean, yeah. I'm willing myself. All right, now I'm going to do it. Here we go. And it didn't, I, I could not make myself. And it's so fascinating when you think of what the size of bacterium is so teeny. And I thought, surely I can do this. But Mm -hmm. I think um, many people haven't had the experience of, of having Lyme and, and being that profoundly exhausted. It was not only that, it was the cognitive dysfunction. You know, it was not being able to concentrate and focus Mm -hmm. um, as well as the exhaustion. So it was pretty devastating. Mm-hmm. It really changed your life. Yeah. When you talk to people now, you're, um, when you're coaching, how do you weave that in um, to how you're helping them be successful in their lives? Well, I, first of all, I think I take the approach of, you know, it has to be a more holistic view. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the women who come to me uh, are ambitious. Mm-hmm. You know, they hire me because they, they're either stuck and they don't know why, but, but they want more for their careers. They want to do more. They want to, uh, they feel that they deserve more. And 
So, you know, understanding that those are, you know, of course it's individual, that many of my clients have that mindset. I try to help them shift to understand that the barriers that we face in the workplace are one thing, right? Uh, there's a lot of it that's systemic that's going to take time to change. And we're seeing some change, you know, <laughs> depends on the industry and where you work. So we can't really control that. But what we can control is our own mindset and our own behavior. And, the, and to recognize that there are a lot of ways that we hold ourselves back. And that for me to help them move forward, um, we need to look at both the external barriers and how to navigate them in the workplace and how to deal with them in, in a professional way that will be successful, that will move you forward. And at the same time, look at some of the internal barriers, the way you may hold yourself back. Can you give an example of what an internal barrier might look like? Yeah. Oh, God, there's, there's just so many of them. Um, you may feel that, for instance, you hold the belief that, that you're not smart enough, mm-hmm. that everybody on your team went to better schools or, you know, they're smarter and, and therefore you believe you don't have as much to contribute. So that means also then you're not offering your opinion. You know, you're so worried about what other people are going to think if you speak up in meetings, you're not going to say the right thing Mm -hmm. that you won't do that either. And and then people believe that you don't have any ideas. They don't know that you have, you know, some really valuable opinions on things. It's a negative feedback loop. Yeah. Yeah. So those kinds of beliefs, like you may feel that you need to wait to be recognized. You know, you don't want to come across as bragging. So you don't share any of your accomplishments or great results. And it's that same loop where we then hold ourselves back and we become invisible and people don't recognize what we are contributing. So when you're working with people, it sounds like you have to take a, a really foundational approach. It's not only like in the boardroom or in your conference room, this person said something ages to me, then what I what do I do? You're really looking at how they're coming in, how they're showing up, what they're believing and how that's right. having an effect on uh, how they present to the world. Absolutely. And to try to uh, then shift the focus to our personal and professional power. Mm -hmm. Sounds like what you're doing might have wide implications in their lives, not only to say, hey, you know, I know that was supposed to be funny, but just want to let you know it's ageist. And then all of a sudden you're doing that in your relationships too. Yeah. I could see how there would be a huge trickle. I don't know if it's trickled down, but there would be a ripple effect with other people saying, you know what? I don't really like that. Yeah. And you know what? Those are, you know, if we look at the two different scenarios that you brought up a few minutes ago, 
if you're in a relationship and uh, things aren't going well, you can react by just becoming quiet and withdrawing. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to help the relationship. Or you can come back with anger and rage and that's not going to be help the relationship. So that kind of middle of the road assertive approach mm-hmm. works in our personal as well as our professional lives. There's a book, and this is in my industry, so I'm not expecting you to have heard of it, but it was a Bible for women years ago. Do you know the book by Harriet Lerner called Dance of Anger? Yes. Uh, okay. Um, and great book. It's a, such a great book. And I think she does such a wonderful job just saying as women, we're not particularly skilled at articulating our anger. And we either come out as really strident or, you know, you're holding it and holding it. And all of a sudden someone does a little teeny thing and you explode and they say, boy, she's crazy. Or, you know, there's so many other options. I thought I still recommend that book because I think she does such a good job saying, you know, here's, here's where I am. Here's what I need. Let's see if we can figure this out because it's not working for me. Right. And it's so difficult for women to say what they need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the questions that I ask uh, many of my guests, because I'm so interested in this in terms of aging well, and we know the science behind uh, some of the habits and and behaviors that really contribute to a wonderful longevity that's not only a long life, but also uh, a vital life. I, I ask about legacy, and I'm wondering about what your legacy is. Hmm. That's interesting. I think my legacy since probably 2007, when I started my own, my own coaching business, has been helping women uh, get the recognition that they deserve, professional recognition that they deserve, mm-hmm. to learn to find their voice, to acknowledge what they, what they bring to not only their company, their family, the world. Mm-hmm. That sounds like, it, it, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like that's a, a pretty profound uh, legacy. And, and, and I can imagine that your work could be deeply satisfying. It seems to be as you talk about it. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That your heart is really in it. My heart is in it. You know, I had a, uh, over 20 years, successful years in, in corporate America where I made it up to the C-suite. It was not my intention mm-hmm. or my ambition to run a national company, but I, I, you know, I got there. But but my point is that the course of that, uh, that career, I recognized uh, that women were being passed over. You know, there was just so many talented mm-hmm. women who didn't know how to advocate for themselves, who didn't know how to navigate, you know, the complexities of the workplace, who <sighs> held themselves back and didn't know how to engage in the culture um, to move, full, you know, to get the recognition they deserved. So 
when I started my own coaching business, that was my mission. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my first book, The Politics of Promotion, helps women to deal with uh, the office politics and what they need to succeed for at any age. But, but then I started to recognize that this gendered ageism has such a, a negative effect, impact on our financial security and our, our job status mm-hmm. that though the book talks, it's, it's kind of a refresher for what you need to do in your whole career. Uh, not done yet is that refresher course that, mm-hmm. you know, you need to know, be aware of this and do what it takes to stay in the game. Mm-hmm. Your passion comes through. I think there's a couple times where you say something like, and that really pisses me off. <laughs> you know what? You've read the book. That's the first sentence in the book. Ah, How did you choose your tone? Because the tone is much more like you're talking to another woman. You're sitting, you're saying, you know, it it has your personality coming through. It's not just something that is very, very much like, here's a list of things you should do. You're saying, and that really pisses me off too, when we're talking about dying hair. Um, And then there's also this, this, this tone of, listen, I'm not judging. If you need to go dye your hair so you can do it, you know, make a living. And I really appreciated that, that you were very much like, listen, this is the reality and do with it what you will. But I'm just giving you the. the I'm giving you the scoop. <laughs> you're giving me the, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really helpful in that way. It's very conversational and certainly impassioned. Um yeah. Well, I, I wanted the reader to feel like I was one of their best girlfriends mm-hmm. and we were having a chat about what's coming down. Yeah. Yeah. You're helping, uh, you're helping us know what's out there, the reality and where we can, um, where we can find our power. Right. And I, and, and I think the, the other point, Uh, related to that is we need to be proactive. Mm -hmm. You know, this doesn't necessarily happen on our 50th birthday because we all start to show aging in different degrees. You know, we all age differently, but but we need to be aware to stay vigilant with our skills, to stay vigilant about, you know, what is going on in the workplace relative to women as they age make sure that we do what we can to stay marketable and stay on top of the game. Yeah. Whether or not we want to get promoted or whether or not we just or want to keep our job until we want to retire. Yeah. Really helpful. Really helpful. I mean, it's one thing knowing it's happening or going to happen, but it's nice to have a guidebook <laughs> to, to take you through. So, well, I really appreciate your work, Bonnie, and I think um, our audience will appreciate it as well. The, the new book is not done yet. Where can people find out more about you and your all of your work? Well, they can find out about me on my website, okay. which is bonniemarcusleadership.com. Okay. I 
I also have a podcast, Badass mm-hmm. Women at Any Age, which uh, it's weekly on goes live on Tuesdays. And mm-hmm. I interview uh, women who have overcome different obstacles. They share their own personal journeys, their badass journeys. Where do you find your women? Oh, for the most part, they find me now that I've I think I'm on my like 80th episode now, mm-hmm. but um, where do I just find them on LinkedIn? I find them on, on different, you know, articles uh, and they reach out to me, which I love because that shows they own that they're badass, you know? Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm going to guess you have a similar experience as I do that when you talk to people who are badass and doing their contributing to the world and it's so refreshing and it's so it's such a lovely way to spend your time and energy. Yeah. And it's a great way to meet um, Mm -hmm. other people who you ordinarily wouldn't not have met. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I have a whole squad of, Uh, zestful agers in the UK that I can't wait to meet in person. Um, And that's right. The people that you meet all over the world, it's really, um, I often say it's hard to find the words, how enriching and delightful it is. We're making uh, connections and it's great. That's right. And people, what about social media? I'm guessing you are on social as well. Yes, I am. Um, LinkedIn, you can find me, Bonnie Marcus. Facebook, Bonnie.Marcus. Okay. LinkedIn is, not LinkedIn, Twitter is self-promote. Okay. And Instagram is self-promote-underscore. Okay, great. And I'll put all those links in the description so people can find you. Bonnie, thank you so much for educating us and supporting us in, in the, in challenging times um, and, and really using your experience to help us know how to prepare ourselves and to thrive. Really appreciate you taking the time today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It was great. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. 
And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used up. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.